Cause we got the alternative energy right. free autonomy And welcome to the Radioactive Show Produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne And heard nationally on the Community Radio Network I believe that nuclear weapons are instruments of death and massive destruction. And um, in my Christian baptismal promises, I promise to renounce and resist evil. So that prompts me then to action. Our, our hope is that using blood, whether it's in plowshares actions or otherwise, I mean, our, the Pentagon in reality is covered with blood, you know, so to throw blood on it is just more of a, it's an accurate depiction of, of what is, what's really there. This week on The Radioactive Show, we're hearing the thoughts of two Catholic worker activists from the United States who have dedicated their lives to working for peace, justice and a world without nuclear weapons. They will tell us about the Catholic worker movement and the close relationship it has to direct action against the war machine. The movement began in the 1930s with Dorothy Day and Peter Moran. They founded the first Catholic worker house and published a newspaper to spread the message of peace and the God-given dignity of every person. The newspaper sold for a penny then, and it still sells for a penny today. Following the path of peace has led many a Catholic worker activist to participate in direct action against war and the draft, the death penalty, imprisonment and the ongoing production of nuclear weapons. Actions that take the name Plowshares are of a particular style that started in the 1980s with the Berrigan brothers trespassing into a nuclear weapons facility in Pennsylvania damaging nuclear warhead nose cones and pouring human blood on documents and files. Since then, more than 80 plowshares actions have taken place around the world, typically involving smashing up an instrument of war, using human blood, doing some biblical graffiti and waiting for arrest. The inspiration for plowshares actions comes from the book of Isaiah, which reads, They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Let's hear from Sister Mary Dennis Lynch and Steve Bagley. My co-presenter, Crunch, and I met them in April 2015 while participating in a peace walk from the Y-12 nuclear weapons facility at Oak Ridge, Tennessee, to the United Nations in New York for the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty Review Conference. Mary Dennis lives at the Riverside Catholic Worker House in Knoxville, Tennessee, with a family of radical circus performers and three foster children. She took a break from doing the dishes to sit on the front porch and tell us a bit about her amazing life. Okay, we're recording now. It's the 30th of March and we're in Knoxville, Tennessee. And we're speaking with Mary Dennis. Could I ask you please to introduce yourself? I'm Mary Dennis Lynch, and I'm a Catholic sister. And I was uh, born in Iowa and spent much of my life growing up in Iowa in the United States of America. And um, I um, was educated. I entered the convent as a Catholic sister and I was educated as a science teacher and for 25 years I taught science and math classes 
to um, secondary high school students and junior college students. And what has your involvement been in the peace movement? Did you get into that later on after teaching or have you always been a thought of yourself as a peace activist? Um, during the 1980s, I became um, engaged actively in working for a nuclear-free future. Um, Iowa borders on the state of Minnesota, where Honey, Honeywell was making cluster bombs. And these are the bombs that hit the ground but don't detonate until they bounce back up about two feet. And that way, our government feels that they will do more damage to the human population or the fauna and um, all of creation. So I was protesting there. Then in um, 1989, I moved to Tennessee, and um, that's uh, a southeastern state in um, the United States of America. And at that time, I was going to the Nevada test site, and that's um, a test site about 65 miles northeast of Las Vegas, and they test nuclear weapons. And so that was the first time that I actually did nonviolent resistance. Prior to that, I was always protesting by carrying a sign or marching. But there I actually uh, crossed on to the federal property and received um, a citation saying that I had broken the law and that um, I had a fine of $315. So uh, six different times during the years, I went up to the Las Vegas and to the Nevada test site and protested there. My reason for um, nuclear resistance is that I believe that um, as a person of faith, that I go to the Bible, and in the Bible there's a book of Deuteronomy, and it says, you are faced with the blessing and the curse. Choose life so that you and future generations may live. And um, I believe that nuclear weapons are instruments of death and massive destruction. And um, in my Christian baptismal promises, I promise to renounce and resist evil. So that prompts me then to action. It's quite something for, for that to motivate such strong action as well. Was that a, a slow progression or what led you to decide to cross that line between lawful and unlawful? I think that um, it was a slow progression in that I witnessed other people, and I think that witness is so important. And to see, um, and then also I feel it's an inner call, that somehow I have this inner call to this, knowing what the consequences are, and that I will be engaging in a nonviolent um, action. You're listening to Sister Mary Dennis Lynch from Knoxville, Tennessee. Let's get back to it. 
I was wondering about uh, if you've done any protests down at the Y12, because um, we're, we're near that and I think we're going to start our walk from that tomorrow. Um, and yeah, just interested to learn more about the Y12 weapons facility and what the involvement local in the local area has been with that. Well, the Y-12 nuclear weapons bomb plant is located in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And that was the um, place where the Manhattan Project built the bombs that were dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And um, it, the land, it was a secret. It, Oak Ridge, Tennessee is called the secret city mm-hmm. because... The United States government came into this poor area and um, located where they wanted to build this bomb plant uh, in the valley between two mountains. And they took the land away from the people, the local people, Mm -hmm. which really um, was a very selfish thing. And because they couldn't explain to the people what they were doing it for. So right now, the Y-12 nuclear weapons complex is the last full-scale nuclear weapons facility in the United States. And it makes the secondaries for the bombs, which is the explosive part. So parts are made in others, but the explosive part is made at the Y-12. So lots of uranium is stored at the Y-12 bomb plant. And um, so when I came to Tennessee in 1989, um, I began in about 1991 uh, going and protesting at the bomb plant. And most of our protests were um, at the boundary of the road. The state road that goes in has a blue line painted across. And if you cross that blue line, you would get state charges. Mm-hmm. And so you would get the beginning. They um, fined us. We went to court. We were, first of all, we were arrested, then taken to the jail and held overnight. And if they paid a bond, then we got out. And then we appeared in court and were fined. Sometimes we had community service, and I was able to do community community service, reading for the blind, or working at the public library, or places like that. Later, the federal government, after um, 9-11, then the federal government said that people who were crossing on to the Y-12 property would have a federal charge. Mm -hmm. And the federal charge would mean that you would go to a federal prison. So I have had two federal jury trials, and I have, I am um, not charged with a felony. I have misdemeanor charges, Mm -hmm. which means that I have um, done, nonviolently done my actions Mm -hmm. and did not carry a weapon or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So I have spent time in prison up in Lexington, Kentucky, for uh, the consequences of those actions. I'm wondering about how your activism relates to the Catholic worker movement and if you um, identify with that or if you can draw, draw the links for me. And well, um, 
in during 2014, a group of people uh, decided they had been living pretty much a uh, community living, so they initiated a Catholic worker house. Mm-hmm. So on March 1st of this year, 2015, I moved to this Catholic worker. And many Catholic worker uh, houses really are working for a, a world free of nuclear weapons. Mm-hmm. And um, in 2010, they celebrated 30 years of resistance in the United States against nuclear weapons. Well, I ain't gonna study war no more, study war no more, study war no more, no more. I ain't gonna study war no more, study war no more, study that was Sister Mary Dennis Lynch, dedicated peace activist, speaking to us at the Riverside Catholic Worker House in Knoxville, Tennessee. This is the Radioactive Show, produced in the studios of 3CR in Melbourne and heard across Australia on the Community Radio Network. We're hearing from two radical peace activists from the United States. They share with us how they live their lives of simplicity, perform works of mercy and resist war in a country where the military is the number one employer. We met Steve Bagley from Norfolk when he joined the Peace Walk for a couple of days in Lovingston, Virginia. He was on his way to a court appearance in Washington for a protest action, but Crunch and I got the chance to ask him about his life and political actions. My name is Steve Bagley, and I'm with the Catholic Worker Community in Norfolk, Virginia. The Catholic Worker was started in 1933 by Dorothy Day and Peter Morin in New York City. Essentially, the movement does the works of mercy that are talked about in Matthew 25, feeding the hungry, welcoming the stranger, giving drink to the thirsty, clothing the naked, uh, caring for the sick, visiting the prisoner, burying the dead. So those, those works of mercy are the heart of the movement. And so Dorothy, when they started in New York City in 1933, they started talking about this kind of revolution from below, you know, a revolution really of of love and caring, that that's really how things are going to change. The world can become a better place is a revolution of love. And so they put out a news... She was a journalist, and she put out a newspaper. She called the newspaper The Catholic Worker, which is a play on the communist daily worker. And people started showing up at the door who were hungry. It was the height of the Depression, and they started just letting people move in, and they started feeding people that came to the door, and and the movement took its name from the newspaper, and it's been around for since 33. And so we do these works of mercy, and in Norfolk we run a soup line three mornings a week, and we just set up like card tables outdoors above downtown, and we feed... We share breakfast with like maybe 80 to 130 people right now. So we do that three mornings a week. And then we live in a community house in Norfolk. We invite homeless folks that have serious medical issues to come live with us. Actually, we have two houses. We have five guests that live with us between the two houses. And and we do that. So we, we have the soup line and we have the hospitality house. And then we do anti-nuclear and anti-war things and work against the death penalty, too. Virginia's, Virginia's been a big death penalty state. It's slowed down in the last decade, but we were one of the 
states that maybe we're still second at this point in people we've executed since 1976 when the death penalty was reinstated. So, I mean, and all the racism that goes with that in Virginia as well. Well, for me and and for a number of Plowshares activists, I mean, Christianity is an incarnational um, faith. And so you know, putting, into, putting into action, putting belief into action is key. And, and I think pe- and people in 1980 were inspired by the vision of Isaiah of beating swords into plowshares. And ultimately, that's, that's what has to happen. That is what's going to happen, ultimately. I really pray and hope that rather than these weapons being used, is that people will use, people used tools to assemble them, weapons of mass destruction, and certainly humanity can use tools and has to use tools to disassemble them. And so a plowshares action really is a, is, is a symbolic yet real enactment of that beginning to convert these weapons into something useful for humanity, something that nurtures life rather than prepares to exterminate all life. Um, and the other symbol that's usually used in plowshares action is blood, which I'm just struck more and more by the importance of that, especially in this country, because I just think, and we've, and we've, we've used blood in other actions too, and that's the kind of thing that does get you locked up, you know, these what they would call damaging property actions, which we would call converting property or rightly naming property. But, but using blood, because, I mean, essentially in this country, the censorship is absolutely complete, you know, in the, in the, since the war on terror, since 9-11, we have, I mean, there was just a report out by a number of physicians groups that came out a couple of weeks ago that at least 1.3 million Iraqis have been killed since, since you know, since 2001, since the invasion of Iraq, and maybe as many as 2 million, you know, which would be one in every 12 Iraqis. And, and all through the Middle East, you know, millions of people have been killed Many, many more millions have been maimed and, um, you know, tortured, raped, maimed, blinded, made, and even millions more made into refugees. I mean, just all this horrific suffering in that part of the world, and we don't see any of it. We don't see one, we see hardly a drop of blood in this country. You know, the, 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 the censorship is almost complete. I, rem- I remember seeing two images, like in the Washington Post, you know, like kind of in the, in the mainstream press. There was a, a young Iraqi boy who had all of his limbs blown off and was all wrapped up, laying in his hospital bed from a U.S. missile. And then there was a, in Afghanistan, I think it was, <clears throat> there was a picture of a little girl who was, in the, in, it was nighttime, and an army and a soldier's light that was on his helmet was you know, shedding some light on her and she's standing there screaming and she has her parents' blood all over her because her parents had, hadn't slowed down for the checkpoint and the soldiers just, you know, shot the car up and killed her parents and covered the kids with blood and there they are screaming. And those are the only two, you know, and that stuff happens, I mean, that's happened a million times over and, and we just never see the blood. So I'm just keep being impressed by the importance, you know, that we've used that as an important symbol in other actions too is, is pouring blood on the Pentagon or you know, doing actions that are blood pouring actions because in, in hopes that 
like we did one action in Blackwater, USA, after the Nasser Square massacre in Iraq. You know, Blackwater was pretty notorious for a while for killing unarmed civilians in Iraq. They were, you know, a mercenary force from North Carolina. And, uh, you know, and they, and they shot children who were running away in the back. I mean, this kind of stuff has happened so much, and we see no blood. And so our, our hope is that in using blood, whether it's in plowshares actions or otherwise, I mean, our, the Pentagon in reality is covered with blood, you know, so to throw blood on it is just more of a, it's an accurate depiction of, of what is, what's really there. You're listening to Steve Bagley, a founder of the Norfolk Catholic Worker House, speaking to us in Virginia. He's about to tell us what it's like being a peace activist in a military town, in a military country, in a military world. Well, the area, Hampton Roads, is like six cities, and Norfolk is the most populous one. Oh, no, that's not true. Virginia Beach is, and then Norfolk. And I think there's like 1.6 million people in the area, and about a third of them are either active-duty military or retired military or dependents or, you know, defense contractors, Mm -hmm. civilians. So, I mean, Mm. everybody... And I mean, if, if even if you're not, but everybody, everybody is, you know. And the high schools and the junior highs, the high schools are all filled with ROTC programs. And I mean, it's just it's just everywhere. There's all military discounts at every store. And I mean, it, it is the the fabric of the society. It is the culture there. I mean, there there probably I mean there are some groups that are probably, you know, maybe well can't even say that, like professors or something, but that's not true because the universities are, are mm. full of ROTC and they're full of research projects for the military and is the Reserve Officer Training Corps. And so you go through college and they pay for your college, but then you have to go into the... And you take, you take military training while you're in college and then you go into the military afterwards for four or six years. Mm. So, yeah, it's everywhere. It's... it's so it's not so much about awareness, it's just totally embedded. It is. It's everybody's... It's a really hard place to do a protest against the war machine in a town like that. It, it's actually been a really good place to be. And, I mean, some people some people get very upset. And that has, that has kept, like, some folks that would protest with us when people, sometimes people get really, locals get really upset. And, and so sometimes people have stopped protesting with us because of that. But, but other times, you know, we'll also get people going into bases, passing us by, will give us the thumbs up and you know, yeah. peace signs. And so, I mean, there's, there's a mix. But what it really is, it's, it's really everybody's bread and butter. It's how everybody survives. And, uh, and it's really, and for a lot of folks, you know, we don't have a draft, but essentially it's a poverty draft. You know, poor people. It's it's their opportunity to get out of the ghetto or get out of the rural areas that they'll never be able to leave, or uh, you know it's their chance for a job and for security. And so it's the warp and weft of our of the United States, really. But it's really, but I mean, our whole country is really like one huge military base and defense con, you know, military contractor. They're just everywhere. You know, there's. 17,000 military contractors and 100,000 subcontractors, you know, and we have more, we have, uh, the U.S. military is the largest employer in the world, you know, it's like three and a half million employees, the Defense Department, and 
you know, and we have 800 bases overseas and 600 bases at home, and we're the leading arms producer and dealer and giver awayer. And I mean, I mean, we are, wow. war is our number one business. It's what we do. It's who we are, wow. and it's it's really horrific. It makes me realize it's a really radical thing to be a peace activist here. Yeah. Yeah. It is. I, yeah. It's, yeah. So yeah, I mean, even on our soup line, a lot of our volunteers are retired Navy and mm. you know are connected to military people and so they but they really like you know they really like what we do on our soup line but that a lot of people don't necessarily agree with our politics but yeah. but it's but it's been a good it's been a good place to be and try to build relationships and and it's and it keeps us on our feet too you know from hopefully it keeps us from becoming self-righteous in our in our opposition you know and realizing that I mean, because the big picture is that we are all one and we're all part of each other, and, and that means the military people too. You know, I mean, we're all we're all in it together. You know, but that's why we're doing it because we feel that responsibility that we, we really are in it together. And I feel like what American soldiers are doing around the world and and whatnot that you know, I'm I'm right there with them. It's as if I'm there with them doing that, and so I want to try to be as clear as I can to be for nonviolence and against war and killing and for peacemaking even if it even if it means going to the cross a big thank you to sister mary dennis lynch and steve bagley for sharing their vision beliefs and totally inspiring life stories with us their lives will continue to encourage others to not just talk about peace but to live it and to literally get in the way of the war machine At this point, we have to mention one recent plowshares action called Transform Now Plowshares, which took place at the Y-12 nuclear weapons facility at Oak Ridge, Tennessee, in 2012. Sister Megan Rice, Michael Wally and Greg Borgia-Obed broke into the facility, poured blood and wrote anti-war messages on the walls of the building that holds enough enriched uranium to build thousands of nuclear weapons. The three were released from federal prison in May 2015, and you can read their stories and prison writings at the website transformnowplowshares.wordpress.com. And remember, that's a W in plow, American style. The music you've been hearing on this show is recordings taken on the walk and the song Down by the Riverside by Playing for Change, which is one of the songs that the Transform Now Plowshares crew sang while they were doing their action at the top secret Y-12 nuclear weapons facility at Oak Ridge, Tennessee. If you want to get in touch with us about anything you've heard on the show, you can email us at radioactiveshow.3cr at gmail.com or call up the station on 03-9419-8377. This show was produced by Crunch and myself, Jem, at 3CR Radio in Fitzroy, Melbourne and is heard across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Tune in again next week for another dose. I'm going to lay down my burden Down by the riverside Down by that river Down by that riverside Going to lay down my burden Down by that riverside 
study war no more. I ain't gonna study war no more. Study war no more. Study war no more. No more. I ain't gonna study war no more. Study war no more. 